On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. We just had this perfect storm. You know, my own money was depleting. You know, I'd run up too much debt and things like that too in the process, thinking it was just a temporary thing I had to solve. And the next thing I know, I'm over a million dollars in debt and I'm in the hole 16,000 bucks a month. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. We're back today. Chris Miles on the stage today. Brother, how are you? Doing awesome, man. Glad to be on. Good, man. Yeah, I'm just, for the listener's sake here, you know, just giving them a little bit of our, our off-camera talk here. We were going through some, through some tech stuff and all kinds of really cool things that you got set up on your end that I, I would love to get to here uh, very, very soon as far as my, my setup goes. But what kind of business are you in, Chris? Tell us what you bring to the table today. Yeah, I'm in the money business, right? I mean, who, who doesn't like money? <laughs> you know, specifically cash flow. If you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, what we teach is kind of like Rich Dad, Poor Dad applied. Because oh, it's a great book and you're like, oh, okay, I should do this stuff, but how do I start? How do I do it? I mean, that's what we really do. I, I work as really as an anti-financial advisor. Right. Love it. Um, if you think about financial advisors, they're really just salespeople in suits. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they're well, they're well-meaning good people, sure. but they're trained by financial institutions to teach you how to sell their crap. Right. That's really all they're doing. They're just selling crap. And really, they really are not paid to make you more money. They, they make money, but right. you don't. And that's right. the ironic thing about a financial advisor. Yeah. And so I was actually started there, you know, 20 years ago, I actually started in that business. I dropped out of college Interesting. one class to go before my bachelor's hoping. Okay you know, hoping that I would, you know, find some way to, you know, get some business experience, but I ended up really liking teaching about money, but I did it for four years. And as time went on, I started, I, I like evidence. I like to know that things work. And as time went on, I realized, wait a minute, my, my clients really aren't financially free. And I took one of my friends, Doug, you know, I was calling him one day and he said he went to go do this stuff called real estate investing. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I'm talking to him and he's saying like, man, my life is awesome. My dad and I have partnered on some deals and we've doubled his income as a professor at the local university. Wow. I said, oh, come on. That's too good to be true. No right. way you could have done that. You know, this should take you decades to become financially free. Besides real estate only goes up 3%. It's like inflation, right. you know, right. all that kind of junk that I threw out. And he finally just asked me, he said, Chris, well, how many of your clients are financially free where they really don't worry about money? Yeah. I said, well, none. Because huh. if you watch CNN, you're worrying about everything. The sky yeah. is falling. If you watch those kind of news stations, right? Sure. He said, all right, Chris, well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually investing in the things you've been recommending? Yeah. And as I thought about it, I realized there was guys working in my office since the late 1970s that still could not retire. Yeah. I said, well, none. That's maybe this one guy could, and I found out he couldn't either. And, yeah. and that kind of got me the place of humility, right? Because I was like, okay, he caught me. You know, if I'm really truly being honest with myself, I'm going to stay in integrity. I have to admit, okay, evidence does not look good on my side as a financial advisor. So he said, all right, well, if 
you know, Chris, you know, cause I was like, well, tell me the answer. He's like, I'm not gonna tell you the answer. You just got done arguing with me. I said, listen, I'm open. Give me something. And so yeah. he had me listen to this AM talk radio show here locally in Utah. And then, you know, read books by Kiyosaki, other books besides rich dad, poor dad. And, sure, and it didn't yeah. take long for me to realize that, you know what? I was a salesman in a suit. I was teaching stuff that hadn't worked for anybody else. Why would it work for me? Which is what I wanted, of course. Right. So I got to find something better. And, and I started to see that there's this whole other world, these guys investing in real estate and alternative investments, that they were in their 20s and 30s and they were financially independent. Yeah. They were totally free. And so I had to know what they knew. And, and long story short, I started to apply what they taught. I was able to retire right before the recession hit. I was 28 years old, financially independent, wondering what to do with my life. I decided to coach people how to do it. The recession hit, I got my butt kicked. I went, I went from millionaire to upside down millionaire where I was over a million dollars in debt. Wow. And I had to dig out of that hole slowly and eventually I had to become financially independent the second time in 2016. Wow. Um, and that from that point onward, it's been a lot more stable, certain. Sure. But, but you know, it was an interesting time, you know, going through all of that and, and really yeah. understanding that what I do actually works. Not only did it work once, but it worked twice. It wasn't just a fluke. It's something that exactly. actually works. And now I've helped you know, we've helped hundreds of clients do the same thing yeah. and helping them create financial freedom for themselves and their families. Um, yeah. And really that's what money ripple is, is creating that ripple effect in not just in your life, but in the lives of your families and the yeah. community around you to be able to be a bigger, powerful force in this world. Yeah. I, I mean, bro, like I, I thank you, you know, thank you for being you. Thank you for bringing the value that you do to the marketplace. Thank you for teaching other people. Thank you for being humble in that moment to like realize that Maybe there was a better way, like all of those little touch points along the way has obviously made you, but then the effect of all of those decisions on other people, even people who are listening here today, just incredible, you know, just good decision after good decision after good decision. So I want to get into some of that here in a second. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up that, you know, as a financial advisor, that it wasn't working for them, you know, and, and I, I had this one little small interaction. I don't, I don't normally tell stories on, on this show, but I want to give you one little one that I think it will make you laugh. I'm like 25 or six. I, I own maybe one or two businesses at this point. I'm doing, you know, pretty well. You know, we're we're over a million dollars in revenue, maybe even over two at that point. I can't remember. But and there's a financial advisor that had reached out to me, part of a group that I was a part of. And I I just simply said, Hey man, I'm willing to share. I'm willing to sit down with you. Can you show me what you've done with your money? And he just thought I was unbelievably rude for asking to see his stuff. And I was like, uh-huh. Well, I, okay, maybe that is a little like forward of me, but like, if you want to take my money and put it into something and you're going to tell me that's going to grow, I want to know how you're going to do it. And so yeah. what better way to see what you've done with other, with other people, or maybe with your money, you know, like, why would I invest mm -hmm. in something that, that uh, you wouldn't invest in? So I, I love the fact that you can bring that full circle and say, not only do I suggest that you invest in real estate, but here's how you do it. And then, oh, by the way, I've done it too. I just, that's just huge for me as a consumer, you know? So love yeah, that angle. Absolutely. Okay. Let's jump in here. So along the way, did you know that like being a business owner, not necessarily real estate, because you kind of gave, gave us that story, but did you know yeah. that you were just going to like do your own thing or did that like develop along the way as well? You know, it kind of, it kind of developed along the way. You know, it was from watching my dad growing up. I mean, my dad was the, the stereotypical Dave Ramsey fan, right? I Got mean, he it. wasn't a Dave Ramsey fan because he was pre Dave Ramsey, but <laughs> I mean, he was the guy that's saying, save everything spend yeah. nothing, yeah. pay off all your debt. He paid off his house early. He was so proud of that. He was saving his 401k and everything. And he was even hoping that by about the year 2000, he's like, if this keeps going the way the market's going, I'll be retired in a few years. And he'd yeah. be in his fifties, right? His mid fifties by that point. And of course, Y2K hits. And then his portfolio tanks. 
And then it starts to climb up again and then bam, the recession hits and his portfolio tanks again. What he thought would be retiring in his 50s end up retiring in his really early to mid 70s because it postponed everything, right? The markets kept tanking just like we're seeing happen today. Right. Same thing. I've been predicting this for several years saying, you're going to watch it happen again. People are going to think they're right there and then bam, they get hit. And then they're realizing they're going to have to wait another 10, 15, 20 years to, before they can actually be retired, quote unquote. Right. And so I watched that and, and I realized that he always said things growing up saying like, well, hey, money doesn't grow in trees. We think I have made of money, all these scarcity things, right? Totally. Yep. Uh, and you know, can't afford it. And, and he even said, that he's like, I'm going to work until I'm dead, which he just about fulfilled on that promise. He's yeah. still alive today, but he's only been retired for a few years. Yeah. I didn't want that life. I want to control my own money, my own destiny, and my own freedom. And I knew the best way to do that is in business. And, and at first I was going to become a business consultant. That was my goal. That's why I went to drop out of college, just took a, it was supposed to be a sabbatical, one year break to go try <laughs> to start up some business. Yeah. Became a financial advisor because that was the first business that they would let me into because they don't care. They'll take anybody that has a heartbeat. And a suit. And uh, you could pass a test with a 70% and you're in. And yeah. so that's what I did. And, and because I liked being an entrepreneur so much, I stayed dropped out of college and, and I kept going, even though. From the outside, it looked horrible, especially where I had like ups and downs, you know, totally. that whole journey, entrepreneurial journey where you have these good times and lean times. Heck, even during the last recession, when I was digging out of that million dollar debt hole, there was family members saying, can't you just go back and finish your degree? Come on, just, just to finish it. I'm like, yeah. why? Like right. a bachelor's in sociology is going to give me anything more than what I have as an entrepreneur? No. Right. Not oh, of course, you know, and, and understand if whenever you, get, you try to put a floor underneath you by having that set wage, right? That salary, right. just know you're always going to have a ceiling too. You're trapped in order to get rid of that ceiling for unlimited potential. You got to get rid of the floor. Unfortunately, that's so good. Right? So good. But that's where freedom is. That's the difference between security and freedom. Security, everybody wants those three square meals a day. They want that, <laughs> that certain paycheck. But the truth is life is never certain. It's never secure. And that's the lie, right? And that's where freedom is. Freedom comes by taking control of your own destiny. Yeah, I love that. I think every entrepreneur, like you said, relates to that to a degree. And so I want to use that as a segue here because you said there was ups and downs, lean and good times, which we all know. But yeah. for you to be able to really press in, everything that you were just mentioning is all mindset. So before I first ask you about you know good and bad decisions, I want to know, was it through the ups and downs that you were able to acquire such a strong mindset? Or was there something specific that you can point to that says, because of this, I have a strong mindset today? It's both. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, definitely studying out and learning those things, having good mentors or being right. surrounded by good people that get it. That abundance mindset is essential. You know, yeah. not being in scarcity, not being the victim, taking personal responsibility, owning up to those things, right? Having a, a attitude of gratitude versus an attitude of pessimism, you know? Right. I mean, all those things apply to that abundance mindset. You got to have that first. If you want to accelerate things, you could do it with a scarcity mindset. You could be successful, quote unquote, but the thing is, it's going to be limited, right? You're going to have a cap on it and be able to remove that lid, right? To be able to say, Hey, I have, un I have limitless potential. Why not? Why couldn't I do this? And, and when I was an entrepreneur at first, I had no clue what the difference was between scarcity and abundance uh, as a financial advisor. I didn't realize I was trained in scarcity. I was trained to do business to scarcity. I was trained to teach people out of scarcity. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't work. It, it really, it was, it was a miserable existence, right? Yeah. Because everything was about like, for example, if I wanted to succeed in business from a scarcity mindset, I would have to believe that there was a zero sum game involved. I'd have to believe right. that someone would have to win or if someone would have to lose for me to win or vice versa, if I'm a good benevolent person, I would have to sacrifice and lose myself for somebody else to win. 
So, you know, I was a mortgage broker for part of that too, right? And I remember as a mortgage broker, I could adjust my origination costs if I wanted to. The standard is 1%. That's typically what we're all used to. Well, I would try to lower it to a half percent. I would say, hey, I'll be cheaper for you guys. I'll sacrifice myself for you. But the truth is, is that a lot of people still shop me around. They still end up going with their local bank, even though that bank gave them a worse interest rate. Because again, it wasn't just the scarcity of thinking I had to, you know, lose for them to win. But there's also scarcity in believing that, you know, that I needed business. I had that business breath that, or yeah. a commission breath if you're on commission, right? But that's right. for you, you reek of desperation. It's like the person at the networking event that's throwing the business cards at you left and right. You don't even have a relationship, but they're like, call me, call me, call me, right? They're right. desperate. They're just trying to hustle. And they might think they're excited, but in truth, they're just operating at a complete scarcity, complete desperation. And it gives us this disgusting feeling inside when we interact with those people and we don't want to be around them. We don't want to do business with them. Yeah. Versus someone who relaxes, they're patient, right? And they say, you know what? There's more than enough business and a spare. I'm good. I can take this person or not, but it's not worth my time and attention. This person's going to be a pain in the butt. I don't want it. I don't need it. You know, I'm going to only help the people I know I can help. And that's funny enough. That's what reversed for me about the time I quit being a financial advisor is I I relaxed. I stopped trying to make things happen. I realized that win-wins, creating value for people, solving problems, serving people, was the true answer to creating more money in business. And it always will be, no matter what recessions or depressions you go through, good times, bad times, and anywhere in between. The one principle that's always the same is that dollars follow the value you create for other people. Yeah. And once I understood those principles and that they were tied to abundance, then it made it easier. Even when I went to scarcely in times, like you know the last recession where I got my butt kicked, right? Our business was, was tanking because we were focused on real estate investors that were also losing money. You know, we, we just had this perfect storm. You know, my own money was depleting. You know, I'd run up too much debt and things like that too in the process thinking it was just a temporary thing I had to solve. And right. the next thing I know, I'm over a million dollars in debt and, and I'm, I'm in the hole 16,000 bucks a month. Right. And so obviously I'll tell you this. So to go through your question, right? You know, there's the mindset that helps too, but also the practice because the best way to become an abundant person is when you're faced with scarcity and still choose abundance. It's when you choose abundance and when you have every other excuse not to, because right. I could have blamed market conditions. I could have blamed the fact that Lehman Brothers was screwing me on my mortgage and wouldn't let me sell the property. Even though I had offers, they wouldn't take it. So they would foreclose on it 18 months later. Wow. And I got my $300 settlement check from them, right? You know, I could, I could claim to be a victim to you know, the stuff going on in the market and with banks and with the, the marketplace and everything else. But in truth, it happened exactly the way it should have happened for me, right? It was for my own growth. And, yeah. and that's what made me stronger from an abundance perspective. You know, even when I face scarcity, it doesn't rile me as much. It doesn't knock me off course. I can stay right. the course and get better and better results. Yeah. I love that. If you are listening right now, you should, you should pause. You should go backwards in the podcast three minutes and listen to that little section 17 times. Not only was it mindset, in all seriousness, but it was the, just the difference of abundance and scarcity, but everybody, not, not everybody, I don't want to, I don't want to categorize everybody, but most people listening to the show right now, because you're not at the seven figure mark, you can't get there in the scarcity, or if you do, it's going to be so stressful and so mm-hmm. tight on everything. You're not even going to want it. So it works if that's three, what, four, five times harder for that, that yeah, same success. Exactly. That even brings up, it's like, is seven figures even the point? It's like, it's the take home, the freedom and pushing to all these things, the mindset or building a business or having assets that pay you all of these things that we're trying to get after as an entrepreneur, 
it, 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 like that's the purpose is to have the freedom or the peace really is what you were saying. You know, have a mindset so that you can have peace because yeah. otherwise a flip coin is like, it, it's not even really worth it. I remember even being in sales, that same mindset. If you, if you had zero sales on the board, man, it was going to be a rough week for you on Friday because everybody else knew and the customer knew you had zero sales on the board. That's right. Because that's just the way that the commission breath works. Like you said. So tell us about like, let's just transition here. Like this is such a great topic. And maybe in one of your ups and downs, like give me a good decision that you made. Maybe it's associated with this or not, but that just like changed the trajectory for your business. You know, I think I would say that, I mean, there's always been little ones, but I'll say the biggest one besides what I just mentioned about scarcity and abundance. I mean, that was yeah, huge, huge, right? Yeah. Yep. I think the biggest one was happened during my divorce in 2015. You know, I, if there was ever a time that was harder than going over a million dollars in debt, it was going through a divorce, yeah. right? I mean, getting to the point where emotionally I, I didn't have the energy that you're drained or even want to focus or want to look at anything business related because I was wanting to almost quit on life. I was debating about shutting down my business altogether. Now, even though it was doing well up to that point, it had an upward trajectory. I was like, man, am I done? You know, there's all this crap going on. I didn't have my kids anymore. I mean, I've worked at home since before it was cool to work from home, right? I was doing things virtually long before that. And then no longer have my kids around me. It was hard. So what happened at that point is I kind of burned it. You know, nobody from the outside saw it, but internally I was kind of redefining who I was and then also who my, what my business was. And uh, I read a book called, called The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz. Um, he's the same guy that wrote the book Profit First, if you've heard of that, both great yes. books. Yeah. In The Pumpkin Plan, he talks about how those prize-winning humongous pumpkins you see about in the news, how they're grown and how it, they're created. And uh, they have to buy the right seeds. They usually come from Nova Scotia, right? And it could cost up to a hundred thousand bucks to buy these seeds. They go, they plant them. And then as they grow on the vine, you start immediately chopping off the smallest pumpkins until eventually as time goes on, you're just feeding that one vine is feeding just one big prize winning pumpkin. And, and what I was starting to apply in my business was I was starting to do that with my time, my relationships, my business, everything. I remember I was doing so many networking events. I was networking like 10 hours a week you know, locally in this area, such a waste of time for me. I mean, I'm not saying it is for everybody, but for me, I realized that wasn't productive. And right. so I want to look at, it's that Pareto's principle, right? The 80, 20 principle you hear about that 20% of your business or of your activities create 80% of your sales, yep. right? Well, what if you Pareto the crap out of the Pareto's principle? You know, what if you right. take the top 20% of the top 20%, which is the top 4% that derives 96% of your sales? And I started really laser zoning on that. That's actually why I started doing more podcasts like this, you know, and even my own podcast. I started focusing on that instead of speaking all on all these different stages that were great for my ego, but they weren't always filling my bank account. Right. right? I mean, I don't need to fill my ego anymore. I need to fill my bank account, you know, especially <laughs> when you're going through a divorce. You know, you need that, especially if you're trying yeah. to you know pay for two homes, right? And right. so I started really just cutting stuff off, cutting it all, and to the point where I was operating on five hours a week instead of 50 or 60 hours a week. Yeah. The crazy thing is at five or 10 hours a week, I was able to double my revenue from the previous year. And so it wasn't just about being busy and active and all that kind of stuff and feeling good because I was, I felt like I was being busy. The right. truth was I wasn't being efficient. My profitability went through the roof because I started focusing on efficiency. Right. Yeah. And that made the difference of everything. And combining that with of course, knowing from the previous experiences, choosing abundance in the face of scarcity. Right. And knowing how to reach out to relationships, I didn't, I didn't hide because in scarcity, you want to hide when you're going through problems. You want to keep them to yourself because you don't want to spread it like it's some disease. Right. Well, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be open. I'm going to actually start talking to people and, and be open about what's going on. Even if it's just a few core people, 
and really just get in that space, but then know that there's a way out. And, and, and the way out is always the same as I just mentioned. It's just, how do I keep serving and solving problems? Heck, I'll tell you, even events, I used to, I was doing live events. I did six that year in 2015 when I was going through that divorce, burned me out. And then my, my business coach I'd hired at the time said, okay, Chris, you want more leads? You got to double that number. Now you need to do 12 a year instead of six. And I said, you know what? That doesn't feel right. And I started going with my intuition, which has always been right versus going with just my brain. Yeah, yeah. And my intuition said, nope, do less do three. And instead of just trying to put butts in seats, just invite people you actually want there, the right people, like get the right people. In there. And again, that top 4%, the right people get in there, even means you have less. That first event I did had four people in there, really it was two couples and a helper. I had five people in attendance. That was it. And I was used to at least 40 or 50 for every event I did. Yeah. And I was like, that's what it is. And I, and I remember an hour into that event, I paused I turned around and I faced them. I said, listen, you and I both know that this, this makes sense. Like I can serve you. I can actually get you guys awesome results because you're the right people here. Yeah. Let me just, is it okay if I just spend the rest of the weekend and just serve you and just deliver a bunch of value? And then we can figure out how to work together. Is that cool? They're like, yeah. And both of those couples signed up. I actually made more money revenue than I had from some events. I had 30, 40, 50 people in. Right. And a lot more profit because I wasn't feeding everybody, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it was awesome. And, and it probably and was that, a super easy conversation for you. Like it was a yeah. conversation. It wasn't pitch. It was natural. Right. Yeah. It's like, again, you have to force anything because there's power and there's force force. is like when you're trying to, you're trying to unscrew that screw and you strip it because you're pissed off. Right. Yeah. When you just have power, you're just really easing into it and you know, you're being efficient with it. It works every time and it's less painful. And, and that's, and that's what really happened. That's what transformed my business. I was making steadily six figures a year up until that point. But just a few years later after that, I surpassed seven figures a year. That's, that's really where the secret happened for me. Yeah, that's incredible. <clears throat> I just want to kind of recap a couple of things here for the listener on, on your behalf, really. But the nuggets that I got were not necessarily worry about not doing like, don't do less out of the out of a bad attitude. Like, Oh, I, I don't want to work hard. That's not what I heard you say. What I heard you say is dial in. What I heard yeah. you say is take a look at what you're doing, figure out where the results are coming from and cut away the things that don't actually bring you result, but potentially what they're doing is feeding your ego. So mm -hmm. cut away the things that feed your ego, keep the things that feed the business, double down, triple down, 96% double down, whatever, whatever that number is on the, on the 4%, the things that are actually getting you the results. Anything you want to add right. there? Yeah, I do that. And then the one way to know I mean, besides just the data, right? And that's the left brain. Go into the right brain or your, really go into your gut is follow your intuition, your gut. Yep. You think intellectually, I should do more events. That would be the thing that drives more leads. Right. But there was something deep down inside. And, I, and that's one thing I'd stopped doing in business You know, before that divorce was I stopped listening to what felt right. I started listening instead to other people. And that's sure. fine. It's good to take people's advice and ideas and whatnot. Yeah, then you got to run it through your own filter and say, does this feel right? Is this for me? Ding, ding, ding. Or is this more for them? They're just projecting their, their crap onto me, right? Yeah. And that's why I said, no, I'm going to go down to three events. And, and even now, like I do events. I don't even do events for the public anymore. I now only do events for people that actually hired us yeah. and, uh, and keep it so easy, so simple. Let my podcast do all the, the marketing for us because People will know if they listen to our podcast enough, whether they're for us or not. And yeah. the great thing is I don't have to screen them out. They'll screen themselves out. You know, if they're, if they love financial advisors. Great. They're not for me, you know, great. Keep yeah. doing that. Good luck. You'll probably live a life if that sucks, but you know, 
if you actually want something different, that's what we have. And, and that's what makes it awesome is that it's just so natural. I didn't have to you know, force anything. It was really right. just going with the, that right flow. Yeah. The heavy piece of what you just said is that you can take ideas, listen to other people, of course, mentors, coaches, you know, people in groups, whatever, or too many voices, literally giving them a one, two, three. Right. And so even in yeah. some of the client relationships that I have, I've drawn that line. I've said, look, I'm not here to give you a one, two, three. In fact, mm-hmm. if you wanted me to give you a one, two, three, that, that would be maybe be bad. Like, why don't you and I bounce some things off of each other? Let's use each other's strategic ideas and experiences to kind of collaborate. But then your filter is what needs to create whatever it is that you do. You shouldn't do what I do. You should do what you do, you know? Um, that's right. And that, that's hard for people to grasp because they want, they just want somebody to do it for them. I don't know whenever well, that's no responsibility. Been- exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you screw up. It's not my fault. It was my mentor's fault, right? No, it's, it's ultimately you're the boss. You know, that's, yep. that's why you got into business in the first place to be your boss, but you got to make sure you're, you're doing what's really right for you and your business. What feels natural to your natural gifts, talents, and passions has got to align with that. If it doesn't align with, with your real core purpose and who you are, it's yep. not worth doing. Yep, exactly. Okay. Let's flip the coin here. And uh, Chris, I want you to tell me about a time that you made a, just a, a bad decision that just created ripples across every, everything. Yeah. It was actually not listening to my gut, right. You know, going with that, the recession previously, you know, I had little anticipation or nervousness going into it. Like for example, when, so I came out of, you know, came out of retirement, quote unquote, right. I was kind of in a six month period of trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life after I got out of the rat race. And, and finally I aligned myself with certain guys that we started a company together. And these guys were all kind of like me that we'd all been financially successful. You know, a lot of us were out of the rat race, you know, where we didn't have to work. And that was kind of the prerequisite It's like, Hey, you should have to rely on this money, but we're going to kill it. You know, we're going to really educate and just change the world. And I was on board, you know, now while I was there, ironically, they said, Hey, Chris, like, I know you've got a lot of these different income streams coming in. You need to cut those off and be all in and focus with what we're doing here, which is interesting because we were teaching people how to get out of the rat race. Yeah, they were telling me to cancel the streams of income that got me out of the rat race. Well, and get um, back into the race with them. <laughs> it sounds exactly. Like. <laughs> yeah. And 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 of course they were accused me of not being a team player because I am kind of the guy that just charts his own course a little bit. I am kind of I like to be my own boss that way. And so I said, All right, I'll I'll be a team player, I'll do it. And it was the dumbest decision ever because I'm like, wait a minute, where, where was my head? You know, what was I thinking? I was trying to appease them, I was trying to listen to them versus listening to what I knew was right. I should have just said, no, like I'm going to keep doing this. Yes. I'm going to do, I'm going to rock it in, in our business, but you know what? These streams of income and they weren't like, they were taking up all my time. You know, it wasn't like it was taking me off course or anything. And honest truth. I probably had a lot more time, you know, I was probably killing time and wasting time more than anything because I was trying to, you know, be there, you know, be physically there for them because they, they felt better when I was around them right. versus just doing my work, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And so of course, right when the recession hit, uh, we felt at first because the people we were teaching were real estate investors that were flipping properties. They weren't like mm-hmm. the, the ones that I talk about now are becoming where you get paid every month. It's cash flow positive, things like right. that. Yep. These guys were like cash flow negative, but they were so quickly selling and flipping properties, they couldn't tell, right? right. They're transactionally wealthy, not passively wealthy. Big difference. Yeah. Big difference. And so when they got hit, it started hurting our company. Guys started dropping off and quitting. They thought I'd be the first one to quit. I was actually the last one to quit. I have actually weathered through the whole storm with them. And, and we came out on the other side, came out okay. But it took a few years. And it took pretty much almost the entire 
business burning to the ground and rebuilding um, yeah. that way. Wow. I mean, you actually gave more than one in there. The listening to your gut is obviously a huge one, but then a lot of people realize like, well, what does that mean? You know, like Chris, what does that mean? And so you gave a great example there of, of being able to know what you should have done, felt it in the moment, went against it, probably thought to yourself maybe that, okay, well, I'm giving up my little pie for a piece of a bigger pie to a degree. And so anything in there that you would maybe add to like working with partners or the, you know, the, either the relationship piece or why it didn't work, or maybe that piece really did work. Like anything that you want to share about just working inside of a business with partners that maybe would be helpful. I mean, I'll tell you, I remember 2008, I was in the middle of it and and I remember my, my wife at the time, she was giving me a lot of pressure to leave. She's like, you could do this on your own. Why are you with these partners? And for me, I, I actually went to prayer. You know, I went to God and I was like, okay, what should I do? And I remember it was, it was April, first weekend of April of 2008. You know, I'm praying that whole weekend. Like, what should I do? Should I stay or should I go? And finally, it wasn't until that Saturday night. And I remember it vividly. I remember at that point, a voice just said, hang in there a little bit longer you know, you're gonna be glad you did. Now, again, rationally, I wouldn't have stuck around. There was no reason to be there. They weren't giving me leads. They weren't giving me anything I couldn't have done on my own and make more money. Not to mention they were actually, we found out later, they were overcharging me on rent that they shouldn't have been. They were charging me $3,000 a month on rent when they should have been charging me 400, but they were wow. overbilling it in the partnership. So I was actually getting screwed there too. You know, I mean, that's why I had months where I wasn't even getting paid because everything I was making was going right back to paying for the office expenses and such. Yeah. But I remember that feeling. It's like, just stick it out. You'll be glad you did. And so I did. Now I thought it would be a short time, like maybe a matter of months. And so right. there's little glimpses of hope and then bam, it crashed and bam, it crashed. It was just, it went on until the fall of 2009. And it got to a point where, again, my wife at that time was saying, what are you doing? Like, how long do we have to suffer? This has been now almost two years we've been suffering. Now what? And, and I just told her, I said, you know, I just know my gut. I feel it. Like, I feel it, that something's just around the corner is going to shift. And in the process of that too, like I started refining things. Like I started to get better at being creative because when you're in that place, it's like, I was trying to create more, like, how can I serve and add value? Again, it always came back to creating value. What do people want? At that time, people were saying, Chris, I would love to pay you. I just can't find the money. And I remember I'm like, I'm over a million dollars in debt. I bet you I could find the money in your situation because it's way better than mine. I wouldn't say that verbally to them, right? I didn't want to freak them out. Right. But I remember I was in that place. And so I said, well, if I can help you find the money, because that was what well, I was getting really good. I was being resourceful. I'm like, would you pay me? And they said, of course. Yeah, if you can find the money, I'll pay you. And so I would. I would get really creative on finding money and helping them improve their cash flow so that they can, you know, have at least another two, three thousand plus dollars a month in their situation. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is as that process and I started to perfect it as it developed, all of a sudden at that point, the right relationships came in. And then bam, everything exploded like end of 2009 into 2010. We went from almost bankrupt to like over 5 million the next year, you know, and, and, wow. and just kept going up from there. And so I think that's the biggest thing. It was just, you know, with working with partners and such, like, you know, you got to, again, follow your intuition, right? You got to right. make sure it's right for you. But I was glad because it gave me a laboratory of success that eventually in 2012, when we broke off and I launched Money Ripples, I was set. Like I knew exactly, I was dialed in. I knew exactly how I could serve people. I knew where I was best. What I had as a unique niche in the marketplace where most people kind of flounder and try to figure that out. I knew exactly what I did awesome and, and I was going to deliver it. 
And it was just a matter of developing the right relationships again, starting from scratch, but, you know, built up money ripples again to, you know, let it grow and, and explode. I love it, dude. You've given so much value already so far. Thank you for that. But the, 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 the good and bad here, I just love how you've given like very specific examples of, of each and how that you walked through that. I think it's super helpful for the listener. So I hope that they're paying attention, taking good notes. We're going to transition to the speed round. Are you ready for some Let's do it. quick answers? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm notorious for digging in. So I might, I might ask you for some more, some more juice. First question is, if you could only pick one metric in your business to track forever and ever, what would it be? Profit. Okay. And why? Well, that's, that's the lifeblood of the business, right? I mean, it's everything, you know, if, and I don't give a crap how much revenue I make. I don't even care about the leads and everything else. What it really means is how much profit do we have? Like that's where the real lifeblood of the business is. Revenue can mean nothing. We've, we've seen that in the crypto space. We've seen companies tank, making tons of revenue, but then they're bankrupt. You know, like that, that kind of stuff you got to be aware of. So profit always should be the focus. Yep. I love that. Okay. What book would you recommend? I know you gave one earlier, but maybe a, a book that you'd recommend for a six-figure owner trying to get to that seven-figure mark. I would recommend the book Traction. Traction is a great book, especially if you're more that visionary role, that CEO type of role. Often to get to that seven figure, or even when you get to that, that, that seven figures to keep it growing, you got to get that number two person on board, that, that integrator and that kind of thing. And knowing whether you're the, the visionary, or the integrator is key to know how you can create and start building that team. Yeah. Love it. Great book. Okay. And you had mentioned earlier that networking specifically wasn't a good use of your time at some point. Can you tell me about a time where networking or masterminding was beneficial to you? Tell me, because you said you kind of made a distinction there of like, well, it might be for some, but it, at that time it wasn't for me. Do you intentionally network with other entrepreneurs or mastermind with them? And why is the question? Absolutely. That just last weekend I was doing it. You know, I'm actually in four mastermind groups currently, and we're trying to figure out how to keep it to only four. You know, I've actually loved mastermind groups and those kind of those relationships. I mean, it's the one-on-one yeah. -on -one that's really important. It's not just a big group, right? Totally. Yep. But it's those one-on-one -on -one relationships. You know, for example, like this last mastermind group I'm at, you know, I'm one of those trusted advisors for this, this dental group, for these guys, these doctors that are trying to get out of the rat race in the next three to five years. And, and I'm one of, of several of those advisors. A lot of those guys have different investments and whatnot. But the cool thing is, I mean, it wasn't just the people there, like the dentists and the orthodontists that we're working with, but even the other members, the other trusted advisors of the group, a lot of them are saying, Chris, like, I think my clients need what you have right? And vice versa. I refer a lot of business to them too. Right. And so there's this huge exchange that goes on. Not, and that's just business. I would tell you the number one thing I get though, is not just the business interaction, which is awesome, but it's the exchange of ideas. Because if, if you want to re remain elevated or keep elevating, you got to elevate the people around you. You know, we hear the common adage about, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it, I know that when I come back from a mastermind event, that's a, a high level mastermind, I feel elevated. I feel like I come back a different person and my business will reflect it in the numbers too. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I love what you said there. I think that that's great. If you had um, one hour only per week to operate your business, what would you do in that one hour to successfully operate the business? I would teach. I would do what I do best. And that could be different for everybody that's listening to this, right? Whatever your genius is, that's what you should do. And so for me, teaching and producing content is the biggest thing. I can get a whole team to support me and, and work around all that. But that has to be my genius is be able to really teach and then really see the big picture of how I can lead and inspire my team as well as other people. Love it. Okay. Last question, Chris, you ready? Yep. If you lost it all, what would you do? 
same damn thing I did the last couple of times, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, you've, you've been through it once before. <laughs> I did, you know, and even when that, that, during that divorce, you know, because the business almost went down to nothing, you know, sure. I remember that quarter for three months, I made like 6,500 bucks. And remember this is the guy that's used to making at least 10 to 20 grand a month at that time, going down to 6,500 over three months was not fun. But I'll tell you the same thing that got me out of that. And I knew it would get me out of that. And it did was finding those key relationships, right? You know, like I remember somebody asked me if you had 500 bucks, what would you do? I would find probably 10 people, take them all out to breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever, and just talk to them. And instead of focusing on me and my problems, focus on how I can serve them first. Yeah. Yeah, Because I'll tell you, I did that. Even when I launched Money Ripples, that was the first thing I did breaking into this. I was starting with women entrepreneurs when I first started broken that space. And man, I, I broke in so easily because I just went in saying, how can I serve them? Whether I have some knowledge that I can give them, or can I tie them in with a key relationship? You know, somebody that they need to help solve a problem they have. It was always about trying to solve whatever problem they've have. And that alone, even if they, even if I did, heck, even when they asked me about my business, I would give them a pretty short answer and then move back to them. Right. Yeah. I would yep. still tell them, of course, what I want. That's the thing yeah. you got to ask too. But yeah. I would focus more on how I could serve them. And that naturally came back, you know, hundredfold. Yeah, exactly. So good. Such good value. Okay, Chris, if someone is just <clears throat> wanting to connect with you on a level of just to get to know you, they want to they jump into some of your products, like how do they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, two easy ways you can do it. I mean, one, you can go to moneyripples.com and our website's got all kinds of information and stuff on there. Or you can even follow my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show, whether you listen to iTunes, YouTube, whatever you use to consume these podcasts. Yep. I love it, dude. Okay. So this has been incredible. Meeting fun and energetic and storyteller folks like you is just, it's such a learning opportunity, not only just for the listeners, but for me, we've got, we've got a lot of the same same history, but so different too. And it just, it just agitates in enough of a way that makes you want to get better. And so that's part yeah. of why I love doing this kind of like what you said earlier. So I'm just so thankful that you're here. Thank you for all that, the value that you gave to us today, even just the time that you took, that's probably the most important thing. So we just really appreciate that. Wish you absolutely nothing but success. Oh, it's been such an honor. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.